We're so grateful, my wife and I, to, to be here with you. Uh, grateful to be uh, your IMB missionaries uh, as well. Thank you, Brother Howard, for the privilege of being here, for the opportunity of, of getting in contact with me. I share with the other, the other two services this morning that perhaps people are asking them if they know me because I owe everybody money in Cuba, and they may be trying to find somebody who knows them to get it from me. Um, thankfully, that's not true. But, uh, but as Brother Howard knows, it is a tremendous blessing to serve in Cuba, to be able to be a part of what God's doing there, to see with our own eyes a church planning movement, to see people in, in the midst of a, a difficult situation coming to Christ, preaching Christ, and now actually going to the nations. Uh, we were able to see several missionary families who are serving now overseas from Cuba as foreign missionaries from Cuban Baptist serving the Lord. So four families that have been serving in Colombia amongst indigenous peoples, one young single guy who you'll be praying for this week in the prayer guide on the seventh day, a young man named Hector uh, who's working uh, in Uganda with uh, refugees there. And so he's a Cuban brother there. We've got a couple also serving uh, right now in Guadalajara, Mexico, uh, in an area that's unchurched, and also a couple with three small girls that are getting ready to leave next month, the Lord willing, for India, to serve in India. So we, we thank, we're thankful for what God's doing through Cubans. I'm especially thankful for what God's doing through you, for the work that First Baptist Homestead is doing, first to reach your own community for Christ. That's essential to reach our own Jerusalem, Right? But also what you're doing as a part of Florida Baptist, as a part of uh, NAM, the North American Mission Board, reaching our country for Christ, and also what you do to help support International Mission Board uh, and those missionaries, those 3,600 of us who are seeking to serve the Lord around the world. You're a part of that through your prayers, through your giving. And y'all probably know this already, uh, because you give, as a church, you give through what's called a cooperative program uh, on a monthly basis, and th those funds go uh, also to bless missions in different areas. But now also the Light of Moon Christmas offering goes exclusively to help uh, on the field our missionaries who are serving there. And so the gifts that y'all are giving, and I think your goal is $30,000 this year. That's a tremendous goal. So thank you for being willing to give uh, as well. Uh, we would ask you to continue to pray for our missionaries because what, what we're doing now is we're helping to, uh, to help our, our countries where we're serving around the world to raise up their own mission boards to send missionaries to the nations. So the nations are sending to the nations, and that's exciting. Uh, we're, we're excited about that. So thank you for what you're doing this morning. Just want to share a message from God's Word from Mark chapter 5. So as I'm sharing, starting to share, uh, I'll ask you to go ahead and turn to Mark chapter 5. While I, I just want to say this, uh, you know that our God is a missionary God. I think every week y'all quote uh, the Great Commission. Uh, that is a commission for all of God's church through all of the ages. Uh, God has wanted His, wanted his creation to know his glory, to come to know him personally. From the call of Abraham in Genesis 15, when God called him to, to go to the, 
to, to, to leave the place that he knew, his, his family, his, his place of origin, to go to a place that God was calling him with the promise that God was going to bless him and so that his, his descendants would be a blessing to the nations, a promise not just to the Jews, but through the Jews to be a blessing to all the nations. God wants everybody to hear about him. The prophets said the same thing. The psalmist and those who wrote the, the writings in the Old Testament said the same thing, uh, asking, asking uh, God to be praised among the nations, that God's house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. And we see also throughout the Gospels, the book of Acts, what Jesus did and what the Holy Spirit did in thrusting the church into a lost world so that further and further away from Jerusalem, people were hearing the gospel. And the gospel has come to us because somebody was faithful to get the gospel to us. Somebody obeyed God and the gospel came to us. So that at the end of time, John saw a vision of the end of time God opened the window of heaven while he was on the island of Patmos being exiled there for preaching the gospel and saw in Revelation chapter 7 that great vision of God on his throne and people from every tribe and nation, tongue and people group praising God, giving praise to the Lamb of God. That's the, that's the end vision, the people from Every people group, every ethnic group around the world would be there, representatives there, praising our Father. Right now, there are approximately 3 billion people in our world who don't know the gospel. 3 billion out of 8 billion who've never heard the name Jesus because they're in, they're in areas where it's hard to have access to the gospel Governments have restricted access to the gospel, so there's no way for people to, to come to, to share with them unless God opens doors. There's some people, groups we know of, there's no gospel, there's no Bible, there's no name of Jesus, there's no church, there are no Christians amongst those people groups, and there won't be unless somebody goes and tells them. So now, what is God's plan for us? I think one of, the, one of the easiest things for us to do is to study the life of Jesus and to see what Jesus is calling us to be, what he's calling us to do. Because the scripture says, Jesus said, as the Father has sent me, even so send I you. If we look at what Jesus did, we can see a model for how we're supposed to do it too, how we're supposed to be reaching people for Christ. So that's why we look at Mark chapter 5 together. And I ask you to stand if you have a copy of God's Word to read it from, or you can see on the screen, we'll have it before us as well. But let's listen to the Word of God. If you can stand, please stand in honor of God's Word, in honor of our Lord, and let's hear the gospel together. Then they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gadarenes. And when Jesus had come out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs. And no one could bind him, not even with chains. Because he had often been bound with shackles and chains, 
And the chains have been pulled apart by him and the shackles broken in pieces. Neither could anyone tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshipped him. And he cried out with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I implore you by God that you do not torment me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of the man, unclean spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. Also he begged him earnestly that he would not send them out of the country. Now, a large herd of swine was feeding there near the mountains. So all the demons begged him, saying, Send us to the swine, that we may enter them. And at once Jesus gave them permission. Then the unclean spirits went out and entered the swine. There were about 2,000. And the herd ran violently down the steep place into the sea and drowned in that sea. So those who fed the swine fled, and they told it in the city and in the country. And they went out to see what it was that had happened. Then they came to Jesus and saw the one who had been demon-possessed and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who saw it told them how it happened to him who had been demon-possessed and about the swine. Then they began to plead with him to depart from their region. And when he got into the boat, he who had been demon-possessed begged him that he, might, that he might be with him. However, Jesus did not permit him, but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. And he departed and began to proclaim in Decapolis all that Jesus had done for him and all marveled. May Jesus bless the reading of his word. Let's pray. Lord, as we read your word, we're reminded of a terrible situation, but one that was transformed by the presence and power of Jesus Christ. Lord, I want to thank you that right here, right now, you are present and you are powerful. And you are wanting to speak to us through your word today in a clear way that we can understand. Father, for those of us who already know you as Lord and Savior, please challenge us as we look at the life of our Lord Jesus to think about what kinds of things we need to to model or we need to to, to live out as an example as we see how Jesus did it to reach the nations for you. And if there's somebody here, Lord, who does does not yet know you as Lord and Savior, may today be the day of salvation for that friend. May this be a day, Lord, when you break through whatever chains, break through whatever hindrances, whatever thoughts, whatever philosophy, whatever things might be there that have prevented them from coming to know you. May today be the day when they see your love and your power in a way that's going to transform their lives. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen, hermanos. You may be seated. Brothers and sisters, excuse me if I get into some Spanish. It's kind of, I know Brother Howard's, he, he's, he's a hand at this. He knows how to go from one to the other. I may go into Spanish. 
I know a little Portuguese. I may go into Portuguese, and I may go into some other language that nobody could understand. So please forgive me if I do today. I'll try to stick with English as much as possible. Uh, the, the wonderful thing is that God has called us to be a part of what he's doing in our world. You know, we've been thankful this week for many things, but of course we're thankful for salvation in Christ. Of course we're thankful for forgiveness of sin. Of course we're thankful for, for having his word, being a part of the body of Christ. But you know, we ought to be extremely thankful that he has invited us to be a part of his great work of making his name and his glory known to the nations. God is inviting us to be a part, not because we have to, but because his love in our lives constrains us. It motivates us. It pushes us to go beyond our normal way of doing things, to say yes to him, whatever he might call us to do. So I'm encouraging you today, to just already be open, to say yes to Jesus, whatever he might call you today to do today as we look at his word and his, his example. The first thing I want to share today about Jesus' example is that Jesus sought people where they were. Can you say that with me? Jesus sought people where they were. When I was a student in Baptist University many years ago, I was at a Baptist, uh, a Baptist university going to a Baptist history class, a Baptist theology and history class. And every day at class, the professor would give us an oral exam over the reading we had for homework that he gave the class before. Now, for some reason, I was not prepared. Uh, one weekend, I don't know where I had been, what I was doing, but I had not done the reading. And it hit me on the way to class that Mr. Trexler was going to give us that oral exam. I was not ready for it. So I thought, do I, miss the, do I skip class? Do I go in late? Uh, he always gave point, two points off if we were absent, for unexcused absence, or if there was a tardy. So I didn't want that. So I thought, no, I'm going to go on in. Maybe I can sit behind somebody who's fatter than I am. I can sit behind them and kind of hide behind it until the test is over, and then I just kind of pop out and everything's going to be fine. But I knew Mr. Trexter could see through that kind of strategy. So I, I didn't do that. So I thought, no, I'm going to go ahead and sit where I normally sit. And I'm just going to try to have on my face the look of somebody who's just daring him to ask a question. Go ahead and ask me anything. Ask me anything. I'm ready. I'm ready for your test. So after the devotional and after he prayed for us, after he said amen, the first thing he said was, now, Mr. Cooper... Time for the test for the day. Here's the first question, Mr. Cooper. True or false? And I thought, I got a chance here. I've got a possibility. True or false? 50-50 chance. I may get this right. So I was going to try to read him in terms of how he asked the question. So he said, true or false? The greatest truth in all of history is that man is seeking God. And he said it with such gusto, with such joy. I thought, it has to be true. It has to be true. So I said, Mr. Trexler, that is true. It is true. The greatest truth in all of history is that man is seeking God. And his face changed. Had a little frown on it. 
said, Mr. Cooper, you didn't read your reading for today, did you? I said, no, sir, I didn't. How do you know? He said, well, the very first line in the first chapter that you're supposed to read for today said, the greatest truth in all of history is that God is seeking man. That's the truth. Even from Genesis, the scripture says that when Adam and Eve sinned against God and God came walking in the garden in the cool of the day, did they come running out to see him? Were they excited about seeing their Lord? Of course not. They they went here. They tried to hide from God, but God came seeking them. God knew that they weren't going to come seeking God. He had to go seek them. You remember in in the New Testament as well, when Zacchaeus went up a tree hoping to see Jesus as Jesus was coming through Jericho on the way to the cross, He comes through, Zacchaeus thought he was trying to find Jesus, trying to look to see Jesus, when in reality, Jesus was looking for Zacchaeus. When he came, stood at the base of the tree, he called him by name, Zacchaeus, come down. I'm going to your house today. And the scripture said that Jesus said at at Zacchaeus' house that the Son of Man, Jesus himself, had come to seek and to save that which was lost. It's an amazing thing that when we look at this text today in Mark 5, the Gadarene demoniac was not looking for Jesus. He was not looking for Jesus in Jerusalem at the temple. He was not going to any synagogue in the towns around there. He was living in the cemetery. And Jesus had to go where he was. Jesus had to seek him out because he wasn't going to seek Jesus out. Now, I say that to say this. We are very thankful that God has blessed us, especially here in the United States and other countries as well, with the liberty to build temples, beautiful temples. Y'all have a beautiful temple here at First Baptist and all the other buildings as well for Sunday school and missions. It's wonderful what God has given to you. And these, these temples have a tremendous role to play in our Christian walk. Because we come together like today, right, to worship. And it's wonderful to worship, right? It's a beautiful thing to worship together. We come to study God's Word together. We come to grow together. We come to encourage one another. We come to enjoy Christian fellowship. And often for Baptists, that's around a table somewhere. But it's still Christian fellowship that we enjoy together. And we usually do that at the temple. But you know, actually, it would be very easy and comfortable to stay right here in the temple all of our lives, wouldn't it? Wouldn't that be great just to have our homes right here in the temple and never have to leave and enjoy the fellowship that we have as believers? Would that be fun? Well, you know, it might get old after a while. But God has not called us to live our lives inside the four walls of the temple of the church. He's called us to come here and to become prepared, energized, inspired, uh, taught to be able to go out and share in the mission field all the rest of the week. He's called us to leave our comfort zone and to go out where hurting people will not be running to come into our church buildings. Does that make sense? Does that, does that compute? <laughs> does that make sense? Because really, what has God called us to do? 
In the Sermon on the Mount, the Scripture says that Jesus called us to be light, the light of the world. And we can't put that light under a bush, or we can't hide that light inside the church building. The light has to get out where it's going to do good. We're called to be the salt of the earth. The salt can't stay in the salt shaker and do what it's made to do, what God created it to do. For it to do what God created it, it has to be shaken out of the salt, salt cellar, salt shaker, so that it actually does some good in a putrefying, decaying world. And that's exactly what Jesus did. Jesus went where the people were. He didn't command the lost to come to the church. He invited them, but he didn't command them. He did command the church to go to the world and preach the gospel. So you and I have a divine, a divine bit of homework to do. Every day, wherever we are, at school, at work, in our neighborhood, in our home, to be a witness for Christ, but then to go where people are who need to hear the good news. I want to show a picture of a young lady who we got a chance to know several years ago. Uh, she, before she came to Christ, <clears throat> she was a young lady with severe problems. She, had, she sold herself to make money. The only way she knew to make money was to sell herself. Had a child out of wedlock. Uh, got so desperate, so desperate that she, she considered suicide, but then thought about her daughter, what her, would her daughter do if she killed herself? But she was hopeless. She sat down on a curb, she told us, one day near her home and cried, just wept, not knowing what to do or where to go. Young man happened by her who had come from his church. Uh, he left his temple and was walking down the street with already a desire to see, Lord, what would you have me to do? How, how can I spread your word today? And he saw that girl, a lump of hurting humanity right there on the sidewalk, and he, he knew he had to do something. So he sat down beside that young girl and listened to her, ask her questions, heard her life story, and then began to share his testimony and the good news of the gospel with her. She shared that when she sat down that day on the curb, she was a destroyed young lady with no hope. But when she stood up after talking with that young man, she was the pure daughter of Jesus Christ, cleansed by the blood of the Lamb because she had trusted in Christ. Now, she wasn't just satisfied with that. She and her daughter began to be discipled, and the, with the help of the pastor, <clears throat> they began to go, the daughter and the mother, began to go to other little towns in buses where there were no churches, they would sell cookies or sweaters or other things they were able to buy in the, in, the, in the capital and take out there, and they took them out to sell them door to door, but shared, sharing the gospel was the main reason they went. And they shared the gospel with everybody they could. She was not a good Bible teacher. She admits that. <clears throat> but she brought in pastors who would disciple those who, the, she, want, who she wanted to the Lord, and she and her daughter, uh, when we last talked to her, had helped to start two new churches in the country where she, where she lives. It was a miracle. But why, she, why, why was she able to do that? Well, because somebody came to her in the midst of her poverty and dis destructive nature and, and shared Christ with her. The hope for the hopeless. 
And she then went to where they were to share the gospel with them. Jesus sought people where they were. And unless we're willing to do the same, there will be people right around us who never hear the good news of Christ and who never see the difference Christ has made in your life. You'd be willing to do that? To leave from your comfort zone and to be sensitive to needs around you, whether it's sharing a track, sharing a brief word of testimony, sharing a, saying to somebody, uh, I want you to know somebody's prayed for you today. Anything that's going to help somebody to be thinking about God, those things make an eternal difference if you're willing to let God use you. Let's go. Let's, let's seek people where they are. Secondly, Jesus did not avoid difficult cases or impossible people. Can you say that with me? Jesus did not avoid difficult cases or impossible people. Anybody here know an impossible person? Just a hard-headed, mean, ornery. Anybody know that? Any of you ever been mean, ornery, hard people? I see that hand. Thank you, young man. Thank you for being honest. Honest with the help of your friend to raise your hand. That's good. The, uh, <laughs> uh, some of us have been in that same state. And sometimes we, we look at people and say, there's no hope for that person. Or there's no hope for that group of people. They're just so lost. They're, they're terrorists. They're, they're mean. They're sinful. And why even give the time of day for them because they're not going to appreciate what we do for them? Well, let me just ask, what was that demon-possessed man like? Scripture says he was controlled by an evil spirit that was destroying his life. He wore no clothes. He was in, 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 living in tombs in the cemetery. He was isolated and separated from society. He was abandoned with the rest of the dead. He was uncontrollable, untamable. He cut himself with stones. He cried out in anguish day and night, just suffering in unending horror. Would you invite that man to be in the, the, the 11 o'clock worship service at First Baptist Homestead? Would you invite him to be in your Sunday school class? Would you invite him to come home for dinner? your house. <laughs> That's a hard situation. That's a hard person. That's a hard person. And sometimes we avoid the hard people. I mean, even contact with them. When I was pastoring a church soon after finishing seminary uh, in Texas, pastored a church there. And uh, in our small church, we had, uh, we counted every member. Every member was precious. And uh, one Sunday, there was an older couple that didn't come to church. And so we figured maybe something just had happened that hadn't come. But that week, one of the other members came and said, Brother Roy, do you know that this couple joined another church last Sunday? Joined another church. Had no clue. They were thinking about leaving our church. So I ran over to their house to find out, you know, what, what happened? Did we do something wrong? Did we offend you? And the elderly gentleman said, I have been offended. Yes, I've been offended. H how have you been offended? He said, well, you know, you, you know, Brother Roy, what kind of people have been coming to our church? They're the scum of the earth. He said, those people coming now, well, they're, 
They've got problems with their homes, their families, their husbands and wives. They've got problems with their work. They've got problems with the law. They're trying to get out from the city to come out where we live. And now those people are coming to our church. And those people, those people want to come in and sit down beside me. And I've been trying to avoid that kind of person all my life. That's why we joined another church last week. And I tried to, tried, you know, the best I could after the shock. I tried to, to share with them, you know, our church, like every other church, is, is not a, a museum for the, the most sanctified, the greatest saints, you know. Our church is a, a hospital for hurting people. It's a, it's a place where all of us who have needs, and all of us do, all of us can come and find help in Christ and encouragement from our Christian family. I tried to, to share that, but he, it didn't take. He, was, he joined the other church because he knew those people in our church were scum. And I had to admit, after thinking about that, because I was pretty judgmental for a while, I have to admit that there have been some people in, around me, even as a pastor, even as a missionary, that I've considered, I wouldn't say scum, but they're just people just too difficult to even try to reach. You ever thought about somebody like that? They're just so hard. Their hearts are so hard, they'll never come to Christ. And then I had to, had to think to myself, who am I, who are we to condemn somebody to hell because we don't think they're worth it? We don't think that they're worthy to hear the gospel. Let me tell you something. You and I weren't worthy to hear the gospel either. We really weren't. We didn't live a good enough life to earn the privilege of hearing the gospel of Christ. You and I were just as much sinners as the terrorists around the world who want to kill Christians and others. We're just as much a sinner as the homosexual or the prostitute. We're just as much a sinner because we all live in rebellion against God. We all have. Now, hopefully we're not living in rebellion anymore. If we know Christ, he has forgiven us our rebellion. He has cleansed us of our sin and he has called us to live a life of righteousness as we grow up in Christ. But who are we to condemn somebody because we think they're too difficult or think they're impossible? Does that make sense? Does it make sense? I hope we understand and, and we never get to the point to think that, like the Pharisees, we are so holy that it's beneath us to share with that kind of people. I want to show you a picture. The fellow on the, on the right-hand side is Abel, and the one on the left is a person he's been reaching for Christ. Abel is the grandson of a pastor of a traditional church in Havana, Cuba. Uh, his two uncles are pastors, now close to retirement. But this young man felt God's call to the ministry as well, but did not feel called to go did not feel called to go to a traditional church. He felt God calling him to the streets, to go into the streets of downtown Havana to preach the gospel of Christ. And they, they would go and they would, in a, in, a, in a town square, the main square in downtown Havana, they would sing hymns without anybody's permission. They would sing hymns 
people would share popcorn testimonies and they would say, if you want to know more about this Christ they're telling you about, come and get one of us and we'll go and, and, and talk. And so they would go and things would calm down as people were talking about Christ and they'd come back and sing again. They would go at, after midnight to other squares where the homosexuals and the transvestites and the, the rough guys, drug addicts, would, would, would hang out and share the gospel there. Dearson and I, the first time we got a chance to go to a small house they were meeting in, we were amazed half an hour before the church service started. A lot of people were there, ex-prostitutes, ex-homosexuals, ex-drug addicts, seated in small circles, crying out to God to save their lost family members, their lost friends. That church has hundreds in it now. Uh, it's called uh, 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 Victory Outreach Church. And they have been continuing to reach people that no other churches are reaching. He said, you know, they said that we were going out to reach people that are the, the, the cockroaches of the city. He said, they're not cockroaches. They are treasures that God has died for, and we're going just to rescue those treasures. God's got treasures around you that may seem to be impossible, and God's just waiting for you to share with them. Would you be willing to do that? Jesus sought people where they were. Jesus didn't avoid difficult cases or impossible people. And thirdly, Scripture says that Jesus also has authority to transform people's lives. You know, nobody could help that fella. Nobody could help him until Jesus came. He was the only hope for that guy. And the truth of the matter is, Jesus does have all authority. Do y'all believe that? I didn't hear much amen there. Jesus has all authority? Amen. He does. Matter of fact, he said it. He said, all authority, all power is given unto me in heaven and on earth. There's no power, real power, apart from him. He is all powerful. All authority is given to me. And then he says also in Acts 1.8, you disciples, you disciples today, you have authority. You have power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, all Samaria, and to the uttermost ends of the earth. In other words, it's not our power we go in. We go in the power of the Lord. It's not by might, not by our power, but it's by the Spirit's power, says the Lord. And so we do that in his power. You know, I don't know if y'all are like me. When I look in the mirror, sometimes I wonder, how could God use somebody like me? I feel so weak sometimes. I feel so uh, uh, useless sometimes. How could God use me? There's so many other people who are more useful. I can look at the pastor. I can look at Sunday school teachers who are so well prepared, but who am I that God could use somebody like me? I don't have any power in myself, and that's true. We don't. But when we, whatever our situation in life, whatever our background or education, when we're willing to say, Lord, I know it's not about me, but I am yours. So Lord, fill me with your power, with your authority. I receive what you have promised so that when I stand as puny as I feel, as, as small as I am, when I stand in the name of Christ, 
all of the authority of heaven stands behind me in the words I share. If I had time, I'd share a story about a young boy who was not supposed to be at evangelism training in China, but he was there. And he, he, when, the, when the professor told him, uh, you're not supposed to be here, he said, my mama said I could be here. So the, the guy let him stay. So they, they, had, they had the training, and after the training, uh, they divided up to go into the different communities. And uh, that's when the, 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 the teacher said again, you know, uh, this is for the adults. Uh, they're going to be going out into some hard places. They, they're going to be, they're going to face a lot of stuff that you don't need to face. Uh, you can't go. You go home. He said, my mama told me I could go. So they let him go. And so he went with two older men. They got to the community. And uh, when, when, they, when they got there, uh, a leader comes out from the hut and says, what are you doing here? And uh, the, the older men kind of him hawed around. They didn't know exactly what to say. And the little boy got out in front of the men and said, we are here with a word from God. And the fellow said, wait, let me get the village. So the whole village came out and they shared the word of God with the village. I mean, the little boy did that. Why? Not because he had strength in himself. He just believed God would do it through him. You may feel like, hey, I can't share with my coworker. Oh, they're gonna, it's, it's gonna be hard. It's gonna be difficult. But if you remember that God has power to change lives, it's not about him. I can't change anybody's life. I want to show you something here about that shows us transformation. My wife, Dearcy, who by the way is Japanese Brazilian. She was, she's full-blooded Japanese, but born in Brazil. She's a good girl. By the way, anyway, uh, that, that's an aside. That's an aside. Thank you, babe. Anyway, she's talking with a lady here who had started a movement of, of spiritists uh, in, the, in the small town where she lives. Uh, that lady in the back is uh, her daughter. Um, but she had built a large group of spiritists coming together in this building. I'll show you the building here. This was the Spiritist Center. And they filled it with people in the community who came to worship demons, to praise Satan, uh, basically uh, a mixture of African and some, some um, uh, Catholic religion as well, uh, a, a very sad mixture. But what happened was the young lady who was in the back heard the gospel. Somebody had the courage to go to her knowing she was a Spiritist and shared the gospel with her and she trusted in Christ as her Lord and Savior, came to faith in Christ. She went back to her group, and when the group found out about it, they wanted to expulse her or to send her away, to expel her. And uh, they, they voted on they were going to vote on it, but once somebody said, no, let's not do that. Let's invite her back into the group. We're going to win her back. She's going to turn her back on this Western religion, this Christianity. She's going to come back and be one of us. And you know what happened? As she came back in, she began to share with everybody else. And more and more of the people who were part of the Spiritist group began to be interested in Jesus. Some came to faith in Christ. And sometime later, the Baptist Convention president in that area received a telephone call. And the call said, uh, are you the president? Yes, I'm the president. Uh, can you come and meet with us? 
We've been a spiritist center for a long time. We think we're a Baptist church now. Can you come and show us if we're a Baptist church or not? And you know, he went and talked with them. They found out they were, they were following the gospel, trusting the Lord alone. They had pastors come in and help doing, doing discipleship. And that's the building that was the spiritist center. You can't see what's on the front plaque there. But on the front plaque, it says, Fountain of Life Baptist Church. Jesus has power to change lives. Just a matter of us being instruments that God can use to share with others. So, again, I don't have power to change lives, but God can use me to share the gospel, which is the power of God to all who believe. Now, another thing that I see in this passage of Scripture that's really important is this, the next truth is this. Jesus experienced rejection. One of the most amazing things in this text is the miracle that Jesus did, and it's an amazing miracle. This man who was possessed and controlled by the demon all of a sudden has these demons cast out of him and they're cast into what? Swine. 2,000 head of swine. As I mentioned this morning too, somebody said it's the first mention of swine flu in the scripture because the swine flew over the cliff. I'm not sure that's right, Pastor. I don't think that's right. But anyway, What we see here is 2,000 swine died, drowned in the water. And as they talked about it, heard the the, the message, everybody from the village ran up to see what was going on. And when they saw the man in his right mind dressed and hearing Jesus, you would have thought they would have said, thank you, Jesus. You have delivered us from this terrorist. Thank you, Jesus. Come with us to the other villages. There's so many more who need your help. But you know what they did? The scripture said that they were afraid. Might have been afraid at seeing that kind of power they've never seen before. Afraid maybe because they thought maybe the demons would come back. Or they might have been afraid they were going to lose all of their pork industry. You know, no more ham, no more pork chops. And and they might have thought this is the end of our industry in this community if he stays around. We don't know the reason. But they asked Jesus to please leave, to leave. Scripture says that Jesus already knew many hundreds of years before from the prophet Isaiah who said he was despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with suffering. Uh, John, the beloved disciple, wrote in his gospel, he came into his own and his own received him not. Let me just ask, have you ever had a door slammed in your face? Ever had a person curse you because of your faith or just reject you because of your faith? Um, If you've ever been sharing Christ much, you've probably had some rejection. Don't let the rejection keep you from going to the next person who needs to hear or the next person or the next person. I want to show you a picture of a man who did just that. The man on the right, very poorly dressed, is a godly missionary. His name is Segura. Segura uh, was speaking at a men's conference. I heard him speak. He shared a brief testimony, sang a song about missionaries, which was beautiful. 
And then at the end of that, I got a chance to speak to him. And I said, uh, Segura, uh, where do you live? He said, I live in the mountains. I live up in the mountains. And I said, but exactly where do you live? Where's your house? He said, I have a hundred homes. I said, yeah, right, right. Uh, that's, that's good. That's good. But, uh, but where, where's your house? He said, I have a I have hundred homes. I said, what do you mean? And he said, well, you know, I remember hearing a pastor preach about this many years ago, saying that um, Jesus said that if anybody's willing to leave their house or brothers or sisters, father or mother, wife or children, lands for Jesus' sake and for the sake of the gospel, they'd receive, they'd receive a hundred times over. And he said, you know, I believe that. So I left everything and I went, I went. Went to the mountains and people rejected me. I, pr- I tried to preach from village to village. People laughed at me. People cursed at me. People drove me out. And one time they put me in jail and I asked the Lord, what, what do I do? What do I do? And he just said, preach the gospel. So I preached and I preached louder and louder and louder. And they threw me out of that jail for causing a disturbance. And I just kept going to the next village. But I remember, he said, I remember the time when I went to a house, shared the gospel. Mom and dad trusted in Christ as their Lord and Savior. And at the end of our time together, the the, the head of the family said, Now, Segura, the next time you come through, I want you to know, mi casa es tu casa. My house is your house. When you come back through here, you've got a house right here. And he said, You know, I've got a hundred homes in the mountains now any place I can go and stay because God has honored my gift to him. He didn't stop when people said no. He just kept loving, kept praying, and kept preaching. So I want to encourage you all, as you face challenges, people saying no to you, don't give up. Keep sharing the good news of Christ because there'll be somebody who's dying to hear what you have to share with them. Don't give up. The final thing I'd share from this text that really means a lot to me is this. Jesus uses transformed people as his ambassadors. Say that with me. Jesus uses transformed people as his ambassadors. The ex-demon-possessed man didn't have any degree from any Bible school or seminary, didn't have any credentials from the denomination, didn't even have a Sunday school badge, didn't have anything to show. The only thing this man had was a testimony of his experience with Jesus, a a, a transformation that only could have been brought about by him having that encounter with Jesus. You know, the only thing you may have to give is, is that experience. You may not have a lot of background, a lot of great, glorious things to share, but your testimony may be what reaches somebody that a a sermon from a a preacher or a pastor or a missionary would ever do because people will listen to you. They know you've been through it. They know you've been where they live. You've walked in their sandals, their shoes. They know that you have hurt like they have, and they need to hear what God can do. I like what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And right after that also, chapter 5, verse 20, he says, now we are God's ambassadors. 
God is making his appeal through us. And that's the beautiful thing. God is making his appeal through us. God, Jesus did not do exactly what all that the people wanted him to do. He did leave the land. They asked him to leave. He left, but he also left his ambassador there who preached the gospel. And one amazing thing that happened there was this. Jesus left in Mark 5 his ambassador who went back to his people and shared the great things God had done. In Mark chapter 7, when Jesus returned, the scripture says, you can read this afternoon, the scripture says that when Jesus came back to Decapolis, where that man had been preaching, the people received him, and they even begged Jesus to stay and put his hand on the sick people there. God, God had used him to prepare the way for them. I want to show you one more picture. Jorge is the man in the red shirt. Jorge was a, a drug addict who became a drug dealer in the Latin American country he's from. He practiced witchcraft, lived a life of sexual depravity, tried to commit suicide, and on one particular time when he tried and failed, the day after that, the last time he tried, the uh, pastor, pastor came and talked to him, shared the gospel with him, and he came to faith in Jesus Christ. As he was being discipled, one person heard him say, I want to serve God, but all I can do is make bread. That's all I know how to do. I don't know anything else. He hadn't studied. He hadn't had any other uh, career. All he knew was to make bread because the other things he knew, selling drugs, was not what he, God could use. So all he knew to do was to make bread. Let me just share, that fellow today is surrounded by these young boys. You see him. He now is rescuing young boys in the streets of the, the, the nation of Senegal before they can be recruited by Al-Qaeda, terrorists in that, in that country. He witnesses to them. He disciples them. And he's teaching them how to make bread so that they can have a career making bread not selling drugs, and not terrorizing people, not killing people. God can use whatever you have in your hands if you're willing to give it to him. He saved you, not for you to be happy in your salvation and seated in your home or in a sanctuary. He saved you to be his representative in the lost world. Will you do it? Are you doing it? What will you do this week? I'm going to ask that you bow your heads with me in prayer, please. In a moment, Pastor Howard is going to be here to close the service. And I appreciate the fact you've allowed me to go over a little bit today. But I want to just ask, how many of you could say, with our eyes closed, honest before the Lord, how many of you could say, I know that Jesus Christ has saved me, forgiven my sins, all of my past, he's forgiven that. He has given me his spirit and given me a new life and allowed me to experience uh, his forgiveness and salvation. I'm thankful that he saved me. Could you raise your hand? Just raise it up. Put it right back down. I know that Jesus saved me. I know he did. I know he did. Praise the Lord for that. Thank, thank you. Thanks to all of you. Some of you couldn't raise your hand, and I hope today 
you would give your life to Christ. Consider that. He came to die on the cross for you so that you might have forgiveness and might have abundant life. But for those of us who raised our hands, how many could say, perhaps, you know, I've been discouraged along the way. People have turned down, turned down my offers to share the gospel with them. People have said no. People have made fun of me as a Christian. But I do want God to use me. I want his power to flow through me as I share good news. Pray for me that I can be a good witness for Christ. Would you raise your hand with me if that's your desire? I want to be a good witness. I want to be a good ambassador for Christ. I want God to use my life, my voice, my, my, my future for him. Thank you. Bye. Put your hands down. Uh, I will pray for you. Father, thank you for the privilege of being here today. You have called us, Lord, to recognize that all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All of us have rebelled against a good God who created us. And none of us deserve the spilling of your blood on the cross of Calvary for our sins. We deserve to be the ones dying on that cross. But Father, because of your great grace with which you've loved us, you have given us the privilege to know you. Thank you, Father, you've also given us the privilege to share with others. Lord, your, your word says it very clearly. You're not willing that any should perish. That includes the ones we consider the meanest of the mean, the worst of the worst. You're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So, Father, help us not to write off anybody. Help us instead to love with the love of Christ so that they too may come to Christ and experience the same forgiveness, the same abundant life now, and the same hope of heaven we have. Lord, use us as lights this week to shine in a very dark world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Howard. Thank you, Brother. Let me just follow up on what he said. Uh, you don't have to be demon-possessed to be lost. You don't have to be self-destructive like this young man in Mark chapter 5, cutting himself. You can, in fact, come to church and sit in a pew and hear the gospel and do that even week after week after week and still not know Christ. And so I wonder if there's anybody who would say, you know, Pastor, I feel like I'm one of those impossible situations. Maybe that's you. Uh, you feel like you're that one uh, that today you still need to know Christ. You need to give him your heart and your life. There hasn't been that time in your life where you have been saved. But you would be willing to say, uh, I, I need to take that step. I want to take that step. The Bible says in Romans 10.9, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That is a promise. And maybe you're here today and there's never been that moment where you've confessed with your mouth that Jesus, as of this point forward, you are Lord of my life. I will follow you. 
the most important step you can take, most important decision you can make in all of life, maybe for some of you, you need to take that step this morning. Anybody here that would say, that's me, pastor be praying for me because I need to give my heart and my life to Christ? Because if so, I'm going to be down here at the front ready to pray with you. Please come. Uh, don't hesitate. Say, Pastor, that's me, or I want to know more about what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. I'd love to sit down with you, and however long it takes, answer any questions you may have. If you just need prayer, please come to me. I'll just stay right here as long as there's some uh, who want to meet with me. I'll be right here to meet with you and pray with you. Uh, but you come. For those of you watching online, we want to hear from you as well. That number I shared with you earlier in the service uh, if you would send a text message to that number, uh, you'll get the link. Click on that link and let us know, uh, especially if you are giving your life to Christ today or if you want to know more about what it means to be a follower of Christ, uh, please let us know by sending a text to that number that is on the screen. We will be sure and respond to you. Amen.